Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Sylvia. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel and The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. Your random college hooper of the week this week is Askia Booker. Askia Booker, former point guard from the University of Colorado. I'm just now realizing I might have fell in love with the Buffaloes here the past couple weeks. I think I said Sabatino Chen a couple weeks ago. But uh, Tad Boyle, I, I, I like your guys. Askia Booker, your random college hooper of the week. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feat is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Namel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. guys i am back after two and a half months away i felt like Catherine o'hara driving back with john candy's polka crew in in home alone and then he you know she sees kevin and her eyes just get all big that's my reaction that was my reaction to seeing my own bed so i'm finally back home after being an absolute rambling man you know i'm not a tweeting man but i am a rambling man and i'm finally back home let me ask you shark actually since you since you're our, our legal expert what is the statute of limitations on christmas movie references because i just made one right now but here we are sitting january 13th is it too late yeah it's extremely late nobody's gonna relate to that at all uh I'm a little disappointed in you. You could have come up with a more timely reference for the time of the year, but hey, here we are. You're still playing the hits over there. Also, another old movie, too. During the Christmas season, you referenced, I think it was Christmas Vacation, when you actually started the gambling and Griswolding uh, topic. Just freshen up a little bit. Well, so we're going to pivot. We're going to pivot uh, that name and that, and that segment title. It's no longer Gambling and Griswold, and you'll check it out, and you'll hear it a little later in the episode. Shark, while we're on the statute of limitations, this is a very uh, big, and being topical, this is a very big question that a lot of people always ask every single year. At what point do you stop saying Happy New Year? I mean, we're all cube monkeys. We're all trying to be cordial. When do you stop saying Happy New Year? January 2nd, turn the page. It's time to move on. This was a topic on DC radio this morning too. I was shocked that the sports radio guys were talking about it. Like someone wished one of the guests a happy new year. And then they did the whole bit about it. It's too late to do it. Uh, kind of like what we're doing right now. So it's kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm criticizing myself almost from, I'm in a, I'm in a bubble criticizing myself, but anyways, um, it, it's, it's over on January 2nd, move on. Everyone had their holiday. Everyone's good. You wish it before the new year because you're wishing good wishes into the new year. Once the new year's here, you can't, you can't have wish good on something that's already happened. I, I must say I am 10 days late. Cause I did actually wish someone at a happy new year today with the caveat i brought up is it too late to wish a happy new year you know just sarcastically but i hadn't talked to them in like five months so i think that does that matter at all or is this just applicable to everybody 
So I'm glad you brought that up because my rule of thumb is I'll give it up until the 15th of January. Okay. Okay. And if it's the first time you see or talk to that person in the new year, you got, you're obligated to wish them a happy new year. I see where the shark's coming from, but, and, and also I have this shitty tendency of having to fill dead space in a conversation and feeling awkward, right? I can't just say, all right, bye. Or, Hey, how's it going right on a, on a conference call? I got to start it off with a happy new year. But the 15th, once we're past that date, no happy New Year's. We're done. And that even might be too generous. So here's a, a question, I guess, similarly. How long can you go after January 1st to ask someone, how are your holidays? I actually might stop at like the, the 7th. Shark, you got it. Is it the second for you? Do you keep everything on the second? Yeah, honestly, it's the same thing. I think everything's the second. You got Everyone's got New Year's Day off. Everyone's got the first off. And then, I mean, what are we living in the past now? Move on. It's always the same with you, pal. So splicing the uh, Irvin Pfeffer quote right here uh, from. No, I'm not going to do it because we do. We've we've spliced in the no, Pfeffer just, quote. You want to talk to me about going back to the well? Yeah, talk just, about beating a dead just, horse. Just, <laughs> splice, splice it in. I, mean, I, I I can go back to the well. Out of all the references we've made on the show, we've only interviewed one guy from Hollywood, and it happened to be the, the writer and director of that show. So I'm going to go back to that well as many times as I want to. To be fair, that wasn't on this show. That was on In the Can. Go listen to In the Can on Barnburn and Podcast Network. Will you will you just splice it in, please? It's always the I'll same. If I can split. Just Sue, we'll splice. Just give it a splice. Sue, can I round out your uh, Home Alone reference? Because I feel like Kevin now having my Titch family finally coming back home and not leaving me alone in the house to fend for myself for a week. Yeah, hug for you. Thank you for picking up the slack last week. Shark on hiatus in the in the foxhole, getting ready for his Washington football team playoff. I was obviously on the road. Uh, thanks, Palmer, for hopping onto the program as well. I got to say, though, I needed a little bit more from Palmer. He's, Dude, he's I mean, a soft-spoken guy. He, he is. You know, it's, he's uh, he is a very uh, southern Kentucky guy, and he's just kind of a uh, – He's very deliberate with his uh, with his words, and so which is which is funny, you, you know. But it's definitely more of a um, it's not audibly funny, I guess, if that makes sense. And uh, I think he was just trying to make sure that he had uh, he had all of his back straight because I think if you had him on here again, he'd start dropping a lot more f bombs and telling a lot more of the uh, funny stories that he has to share. I mean, we don't even have our facts straight. We just shoot from the hip. Also, sharp. Oh yeah going back to the well we don't we actually don't tap this resource enough but taylor over here just said he's very slow with his words what reference am i about to make like molasses you going there yes sir ed helms in the office now you want something sort of like molasses slowly dripping out of your mouth as i was as i was saying this i knew that you were going to follow up with that that's how predictable you are with that reference why would soup why weren't you on the show last week i was fucking driving I was driving from California to, to Chicago. Uh, honestly, I was tired. All right. I was yeah. fatigued. Can we, can we peel that back? Hurt. My feet hurt. What do you want me to do? Are, I mean, you of all people, you of all people trying to call me out. I'll accept it from Taylor. You, though. No. Why? I mean, my, my, my city was under attack. I don't know if you know this, but the capital was sieged around this time last week. I was down in, you know, I was, you know, down in the trenches. I was trying to avoid the shrapnel going back and forth. Says the guy who went on a run like the next day through the city well yeah well i mean that was on saturday uh before the football team game but uh, i mean you guys don't know this but where i live all right about a half mile to my right is where all the protests over the summer were a half mile to my left was where the capital was sieged i'm like the guy in the middle of uh you ever seen the gangs in new york when you got bill the butcher on one side and you got liam neeson on the other side and then there's just like some guy in the middle it's like all right guys slow down that's basically what i'm doing over here and i'm coming on to do the show every tuesday night to make everyone please everybody soup is just tired from driving from texas to missouri my excuse is better i'll say you you hopped on maybe once every other tuesday not every tuesday but city you know i didn't know city's under attack I didn't know that the city was under attack, though. By the way, I was en route to New Mexico, listening to a listening to a wonderful podcast about uh, some random girl from Elkhart, Indiana, who got uh, who, who got recruited into ISIS. Fascinating tale. Oh, Listen to it I do know that. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, that's yeah. good, Eirder. We talk about theater. That's Eirder for you, ladies and gentlemen. You know, uh, know, you know that there 
this is going to get way off topic. I'm so sorry. But do you know they're That's doing cool, a, huh? a Freddy Adu deep dive podcast? Like in the life of Freddy Adu. Finally figuring out like why he never made it. It just wasn't good enough. I mean, I, 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 I'm just saying he, he literally one, fell, one, one episode fell, right there, like a five part or something, but he fell off the face of the earth. He was like, uh, I, I mean, he was like everyone's idol as 13 year olds. As can like, you blame as, the kid? Like another 13 year old? Yeah. Can you blame the kid though? He was in the spotlight ever since he was, like you said, 13. I'd want to get out of there, especially if I sucked. I will say though, I think his career highlight was dating Jojo Foxborough, Massachusetts, uh, very in, own in JoJo. her, in her prime of her career as well too. That was yeah. could have been. I think the, also the problem is I don't think he ever grew to be taller than like five five, so that would yeah. be a problem. It, you know, Messi's not that very tall. Well, but he's, a, he's a legend. Not not everybody's Leo Messi though. So true. All right, let's rein it in just a little bit here to get to some college hoops. College football officially over, gentlemen. So now we are now fully thrust into the basketball landscape. The NBA has got a bunch of fucking covid uh complications teams are canceling the celtics got like you me and the shark out there uh so this is all about ncaa basketball right now as as far as i'm concerned let's talk a little bit about last week though texas and andrew jones andrew jones going into morgantown hitting the game winner against west virginia west virginia the team that i picked to win the big 12 texas right now a top five team shaka smart doing a wonderful job a couple of notes that I want to hit on here. First of all, with Andrew Jones specifically, people got to realize, and this might sound crass. Don't take this the wrong way. People got to start looking at this kid as not just a cancer survivor, not just some nice story, like make a wish kid at the end of the bench. Andrew Jones is a goddamn ball player. I think he, he hit a game winning shot last year as well before the pandemic hit. So Andrew Jones, good for him. And I actually think, this was on the year anniversary or two year anniversary. I might be reading this wrong where he three year anniversary that he was diagnosed one or two of got, got the three that he was diagnosed with leukemia. So uh, good for him. Huge win for Texas hits a big time shot. I want to, first of all, get your thoughts, Taylor on the shot and on Texas as a whole right now, because they're going fucking scorched earth. They're not just your, uh, Oh, this is a nice flash in the pan. I think they're very good. Oh, yeah. And I kind of alluded to this last week, but um, they've got to be the surprise team in college basketball this year, right? That's got to be full agreement between us. Like, there's nobody expected them to be this good. Yeah, Agreed. they're a top five team yeah. and they beat the shit out of Kansas. I mean, one of our last episodes before the season started was Will Shock a Smart save his job this year? Well, we're way the fuck past that issue now. I mean, we're. I, by the time, at least, if that hadn't been decided, by the time that game at Fog Allen two weeks ago was finished, by the final whistle blew, Shaka's job was safe 100% at that point. And yeah, like you said, they're a legitimate ball club. Andrew Jones, as you, who actually, I have a, a brother-in-law, I guess let's call him, Andy Jones. Shout out to him too, college basketball player. Um he is not only, like you said, uh, you know, the inspirational person on this team, but he's averaging 13, four and three this year. That's, that's a guy who's now his fifth year in the program, obviously with some hurdles to get through in between, but to have that type of leadership and have someone with the ball in, in big time situations that has that type of experience is, is huge for uh, a, a team who has to go through uh, like playing at fog Allen winning at West Virginia. Uh, they beat Iowa state this last year. And then tonight, or when this podcast airs here tonight, they're going, they host Texas tech, you know, a team that has a good amount of experience in big games too. So having someone like Andrew Jones is huge for uh, any team in the country and probably the key, you know, I don't want to, maybe not the key cog to their success, but one of the two or three key cogs to their success this year. Shark, any takeaways from this game winner from Andrew Jones and Texas as a whole? Obviously, the Andrew Jones story is phenomenal. Uh, came back from cancer, uh, a con key contributing player for the team. But you can't ignore the fact that that play was set up entirely by Courtney Ramey, who I think is their best player. The fact that his penetration, I mean, Jones was completely wide open, perfect way to set it up at the end. Penetration kicked it out um, when Jones knocked down the shot. But I think Ramey is a one of those guys that is a uh, – put the team on his back type player. I, I go back to their game very early in the year against, I believe it was North Carolina 
where he was just had the ego, had the energy, had everything that you could possibly want. And he's obviously talented as well. So that's the guy. He's the engine over there. And yeah, I give Shaka credit. I know, I know the patience paid off with them. Um, he's always, I, I don't know why he was getting such a bad rap. It, I mean, he was making the tournament. It just never really broke through. Uh, but obviously, he's going to stick around for a while now. I think the big key with their team, too, is that they're extremely well-rounded, you know, like you said, Ramey is their best player, but you have four players on the team who are averaging between 12 and 14 points. So they can get it. They need, they can get it from four different dudes, if not more. Uh, and you have a bunch of guys on the team averaging more than four and five boards a game, several guys who are averaging more than two assists a game. So this isn't a team that's reliant upon one person. And, you know, so things like foul trouble and crunch time situations, you're not going to be missing out on anybody that can make plays. Well, they're fun to watch as well. You, you talk about their balance. We talked about Ramey and talk about Andrew Jones. They're athletic freaks as well. I mean, you look at a guy like Greg Brown. And that's typically, I feel like that's what has always been attracted to Texas. Jackson Hayes, right? You think of a guy like Miles Turner, who may not be like completely freakishly athletic, but very athletic in his own right. Some of these big men, uh, and that's always been there at Texas, but it was a matter of getting that balance, getting them to actually play well and finish out games. And we cl- have clearly seen that now with, with Shaka and Texas uh, thus far. Question though, and I'll start with you, Shark. Who did you have as the Big 12 title winner? Did any of us have Texas? I had Texas Tech, which is going to beat Texas tomorrow. Spoiler for your new segment over there, but Texas Tech's going to win that game. Uh, we're, we're all blowing Texas here, but they beat Iowa State by like four points, and Iowa State's one of the worst basketball teams I've ever seen. So, yes, they've been good so far early in the season, but let's see you do it for a little bit uh, over an extended period of time. And tomorrow, even the game, even though the game is in Austin, Texas Tech's going to go in there and put a whooping on them. Well, I mean, the game before they played Iowa State, they set a record for the largest winning uh, margin in the history of Kansas basketball. So I'd say that's pretty notable. I mean, no, you're not, uh, you're not wrong by saying it's, yes, uh, but it's wiped out by the Iowa state performance. <laughs> Iowa state's oh, okay. that bad. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. that okay. Bad. Excuse me. I mean, the shark's point though, we've seen this happen, especially with Texas. Actually, I think I've referenced this in the program prior, but where they were number one and then the turn of the calendar hit, and they just shit their pants. I mean, you still got two and a half months of, of strong basketball that you got to play in a very good conference, right? The Big 12 is not going away, and I'm still not backing down, obviously, from my West Virginia. Weren't they getting blown out by West Virginia in the first half, too? Texas stinks. If, if <laughs> yeah, I can do it, let's Yeah, I'm with you. Let's so do it. So it doesn't even matter that they even... <laughs> I'm sorry. So it doesn't, I, it's not a compliment that they came back to win or anything like that. Like, oh no, they suck. They only beat Kansas by 26 at home. Only beat uh, West Virginia, a top 15 in the team in the country at uh, at West Virginia by a bucket. Got losers. All right, it's the Iowa State thing's troubling. You're just <laughs> you're just caping for your boy Kameka Hepa from Barrow, Alaska. That is my boy. Uh, actually, you know I. I think I, I think it's more just Shaka Smart's hair than anything else is what is making me pay attention to this program more than anything else. I'm so glad you brought up Shaka Smart's hair because what I'd like to open up and dive into is the fact that whenever we see someone go through some sort of physical change, especially with the hair, you think the worst. You think they're going through some sort of meltdown. Think Britney Spears, right? Shaved her head in 07. And was a complete train wreck. You think of those girls that get like the one strip of like purple hair or something. And you're like, what are they going through? The girls that always alter their hair after a breakup. And they're just in a troubling spot. Shaka has has pretty much gone the opposite way. At the beginning of the year, we said, okay, this guy's clearly on the hot seat. He's going to try everything, pull out all the stops, grew out his hair, usually a troubling sign. Not so much. Uh, so he's completely dispelled my hair th- hair theory, which is say, whenever someone's going through a distressful or tough time, that's when you see the hair go the complete opposite way of what's normal. Uh, is there? A- am I just blowing smoke up everyone's ass, or is Shaka really being a trailblazer with the hair theory? Well, I just don't understand. As someone who has a small bald spot on the top to back of his head, I don't understand the people who go bald like intentionally. Like I thought Shaka was just shaving it all off 
because like it just didn't look good anymore. He was had he had the bad hairline, whatever. Now I'm not saying that this guy has a crisp like forehead hairline here, but like he p- clearly had more capabilities of follicle growth than he was showing at, at VCU or previous to that. So I just don't understand. Maybe it's just a positive mental thing in general where he realized that he could achieve something like this wonderful head of hair that he has now. And that, that positive mental attitude is just parlayed into a great season as a whole. Shark, how much success, uh, uh, how much of Texas success do you say that five times fast for me real quick? How much uh, of their success does, do you attribute to the hair? I was hoping you wouldn't ask me this question. I, I feel like my response, I, you know, Jay Feely, when the quote, when he's like, when he says, uh, I don't play Madden, I, I live life. That's, that's what I feel like with this question right here. All right. Ask me questions about basketball, not about a haircut. Oh, that's what I'm doing. He's a basketball coach. Loosely related. I told you my take. I think that they're I think that they suck because they lost Iowa State. Well, they beat Iowa State by not a lot of points. (laughs) That's right. No, no, we're on we're on the same team here. I did a quick pivot. I have have nothing on the hair comment. All right. Good. I was tuned out. I was I was, you know, checking my email. I, I was not listening to anything regarding the hair. As soon as I heard hair, I was out. Not interested. I live life. Much Jay like Field. your hair. Much like your Jay. hair. I got to tell you. <laughs> this sounds like we can tell who the SEC fan is of this group describing wins as bad wins or good losses. That was a good loss for Iowa I State. Wanna, let, me re- let me remind you too, last year when you guys are reactive, right? I think that's been established on this podcast. You're both well, I literally reactive. just changed my mind like th- 30, 30 well, seconds you know, ago. No, here's the thing, Father. I, I appreciate the growth that you're showing as a human being. You're, you're beginning to see the field a little bit better than our friend Taylor over here, where you guys just live in a world where you react to whatever just happened. So you're, you're going to put Texas on a pedestal. Uh, around this time last year, Michigan State was losing a lot, and you put Michigan State in the dumpster, whereas I – I saw the field. I saw the field. I was doing the reads. Taylor Heineke, he can do five reads in <laughs> seconds. That's what I do in college basketball picks. All right. I'm seeing the field right now. I love so, that you bring up last year, by the way, as if anything was proven well, correct. I'm, tell- I'm telling it's, you, it's past January 2nd, by the way. We're not living in the past. Uh, yeah. Well, the season started a little later. So, like, my tempo is right around right now. So, my, my take is going to be that Texas isn't that good. And right now, I'm only seeing that. I'm doing my quick read. Heineke, five reads, 2.6 seconds. I'm doing that right here with Texas. The fact that you can't blow out Iowa State, who is terrible, is concerning to me. Troubling. Your beard is troubling. Um, you know, I, I, we're just I'm, rehashing everything now. I find, <laughs> it, I find it interesting that you can uh, give Sue uh, credit for his growth, but you can't give credit to Shaka Smart for his. Oh, not bad. That's good. See, that's that's very good. Yeah, I, I give I give the guy credit. You know, that's someone who's in a rhythm. Listen. That's someone who's in a rhythm because he actually does this show every week, rather than just like taking bye weeks and then coming back. Uh, I told I you. Mean, I mean, drive across the country, then then come talk to me. I, I got build a, take I, it up with I, the oh, oh, I got build a butcher over on my left, and I got you know Liam Neeson over on my right. Dead rabbits fighting through here. Like, what do you want me to do? Seriously, what do you want me to do? Um, I'm, I'm ground zero over here. So there was an article, though, on ESPN about this. And, Shark, a couple of minutes ago, you brought up the fact you said, I don't know necessarily why Shaka was on the smart, uh, the hot seat. Uh, I I thought he was rightly on the hot seat coming into this, into this season. But there is an article on ESPN. It says, quote, why it pays to have patience with college coaches. And I thought that was taking it a little bit too far. Uh, what exactly is Shaka one? You said he's been to the tournament a couple times. I don't know if he's been a couple times. I think he went maybe twice. Once I know about the Paul Jesperson shot, they lost to UNI. Uh, but what exactly is Shaka one? So when these guys are saying it pays to have all this patience, you know, I don't know exactly the, the rewards that have come from it. And they also included guys like Archie Miller. Okay, I guess they're having a decent season this year, but they don't have a signature win. He's never made the tournament with IU. He's talking about Patrick Ewing, who's lost two big transfers in McClung and Nakinjo. They suck this year. He's doing all right in recruiting. Okay, but again, hasn't really won shit at Georgetown. Richard Patino, I'm all right with. He's got him ranked at Minnesota. He's been to a tournament. And I think this is all relative based on what school's expectations are really should be. So Richard Patino is doing a great job at Minnesota relative to those expectations, but Indiana and Georgetown, you got to think higher. And then also Conzo. I know I'm going to be 
we're got to be on the same side here. Conzo Martin, yeah, he's doing a really good job at Missouri. But really, what have these guys won in terms of patience? paying dividends i'm thinking like sweet 16 runs which these guys haven't even sniffed yeah so he's done he's made he's been at texas for six years he's made the tournament twice um they were a bubble team so six years including last year but they were a bubble team so maybe they would have made it so maybe he's at a 50 percent clip for making the tournament which is not what you would expect at texas he's never made it to the sweet 16 with him i do think it's definitely disappointing but at the same time we went through this whole summer doing our top 50 programs texas's program isn't elite all right they're never going to be pulling in elite coaches to coach that team so what do you expect if you're a texas coach or if you're a texas fan you're not going to be there uh, bringing in Chris Beard uh, to coach them when he brought a team to the finals the year before without having an absolute, uh, I guess, uh, flame out from from Shaka Smart when he's still under contract. It's just not what their priorities are. You saw what their priorities are. They fired Tom Herman and hired Sark, and which was like a shocking decision right there. But that's where their priorities, that's where they're spending their buyout monies on, not on basketball, which... Shaka Smart, 50% clip getting in the tournament, energetic guy, recruiting well. I mean, what more do you expect for a pro, for a school like that? Well, I want to just, it's going to be a little better than 50 because like you're counting this year and they're going to make the tournament this year. So it's going to be yeah. four out of six years then uh, there. And I, I don't know how much this means to you or them or anybody, but they did win the NIT the year that they didn't make the tournament. I know you don't like hang banners for that, but you're talking about the best team that didn't make the tournament. I, now I know that's just like okay, the, the best loser, whatever. But it's not like they were six and twenty-five. You know, they were they had twenty-one wins that year still. So I know that Texas has a weird set of basketball expectations. Like you said, I'm usually a proponent of keeping people in maybe to a fault, maybe keeping people for too long at their job. See Sean Miller, or you know, I, I kind of get upset when schools fire guys after like two years. You're like, well, what the hell are you supposed to do in like literally not even you don't even have a full set of players on your team. So I think that it goes to show that maybe a school like Texas should actually you know, people should follow Texas's lead here and say, OK, if you give someone enough time to build something, maybe something can come of this. Now, obviously, it still remains to be seen if if they do get like a sweet 16 berth. But I actually will applaud Texas for for hanging on to Shaka. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Longhorns the rest of the way. Like I said, tonight they got a big tilt against the Red Raiders. So uh, I think that'll be a pivotal matchup for both teams really moving forward. Uh, all right, so that's Texas. Let's talk about another team in Illinois. My boys, Brad Underwood, up and down season. They came all the way back against Northwestern and absolutely dominated them 56-13, to 13, I believe, in the second half, uh, they were down big at halftime. And then, I mean, that's one of the most absurd second half score lines you'll ever see in your entire life. And then they lose to Maryland at home. Maryland stinks. I think they're one or two games above 500, but they do have wins against Wisconsin and Illinois, which for me, for my money, that means that they can win games in the tournament if they make it. They might be a bubble team right now, maybe the last four looking in, but that first round matchup against a, a, a solid team, I may take Maryland to to upset them because they do have those resume type of wins. Uh, and they clearly get up for teams and play down towards teams that suck. Illinois, though, I want to focus on them. Illinois, in my estimation, is that insane, crazy girlfriend, just the wild card. The person I'm thinking of right now is 40 days and 40 nights. Josh Hartnett's redheaded girlfriend who like comes in and has sex with him just to completely fuck with him. Vindictive, crazy. One day they're great. The other day they're just terrible. I can't make heads or tails of Illinois right now because they do have some puzzling losses, uh, but also they, they look dominant at times. Shark, are you able to get a, a pulse on this Illini team? Not really. Um, I'm looking forward to their game against Ohio State. I, I see Ohio State as a very similar team to them without the absolute star power uh, that they have in Iowa Sunmu. But I, I think, well, what does Illinois have? Like four losses? Yeah. That's not good. And the Maryland loss is bad. I, I know you think Maryland might be a bubble team. Maryland's not going to be a bubble team. Maryland's not making the tournament. Maryland sticks. They, they have no talent. They have talent, but they're uh, – very individualistic, selfish egos. 
Uh, I don't know how Illinois could lose that game if they considered themselves a top five team at one point this year. So I'm very concerned about Illinois, but they do have an elite player that's ready to go to the next level. And if they can put it together against a extremely well-coached and well-balanced Ohio State team this weekend, I think it is in uh, Illinois as well. I, I think that would prove to me that they, they should uh, not be defined by the one loss to uh, Maryland. The Northwestern game for Illinois was really kind of like a microcosm of their whole season. The first half, you're looking at them and you're like, God, this team just sucks. And then the second half, you watch them and you're like, yo, this team really fucks. And I think that's it. it's tough to say how much like one more game or two more games or whatever is going to matter because they've shown the propensity to be good at times. Like, so, okay, they go out and beat Ohio State. That doesn't mean that they're all of a sudden going to be – it means anything because they could easily turn around and lose to Penn State given what we've seen with their uh, year so far. Um, I I really don't know what to even what to say about them because their struggles don't really make a lot of sense. I, you know, how are you down 15 at home or, you know, down 15 to Northwestern? It was at Northwestern. but And then how do you beat a team in your own conference by 45 points in the second half? I don't know if there is something to put a finger on it, but uh, we might even be too early in the season to figure it out. But four losses is definitely more than this team should have. And I'm pretty sure this is more losses than they had at this point last year when we were talking about Illinois being an up and coming team. And they're there now. They're they're no longer up and coming. They shouldn't have four losses to this point in the season. Well, so this pains me to say, but I've been an Underwood guy pretty much ever since the start of last year. This is on him. Shark reference to Ayo Desunmu. Can't forget about Kofi Coburn. Obviously can't forget about Benishvili either. The fa- the reason I'm bringing these guys up is because they're upperclassmen now. They're experienced. They've been through the battles. This type of up and down season that you're seeing from Illinois, when you have these pretty great expectations set upon you, uh, the up and down, the volatility you see from younger guys, you see from like a Kentucky team, you see from freshmen, maybe sophomores. These guys have been through the ringer. They've been through the battles. Desunmu and Coburn came back because they wanted to chase the national title. It's one of those deals where they said, okay, yeah, we're, they were ready for the next level last year. They wanted to come back to be great this year. And so Brad Underwood has everything at his, at his disposal cannot be losing to Maryland, cannot even be getting down to Northwestern. Uh, you know, Taylor, you're right. They do have the propensity to to show greatness, but that's going to bite them in the ass in the tournament. Right now, this is not a Final Four, probably not an Elite Eight team, because if you get down that big at half uh, in a tournament game with basically no fans, right, you're going to have to find energy and juice yourself to to come with it the second half. So, I am very concerned about this Illini team at the moment. It's not going to get easier. I mean, we've touched on it a little bit. The Big Ten's nasty this year. There are a lot of good teams. Even everybody's darling Rutgers, uh, they, they've been cold as of late, but they're they're in the bottom half of the Big Ten. Michigan State's in the bottom half of the Big Ten. And then you have teams like Indiana that's always a tough out. It's just there's so many solid teams. So when you go drop and drop one at home to Maryland, I mean, that's that's a disaster because uh, I don't think Illinois, their their record's somewhat decent in the Big Ten right now, but I don't think they've played the big daddies yet. They haven't played Iowa. They haven't played Wisconsin. They haven't played Michigan. So they have a lot of potential losses still on their schedule where they're going from a potential top five team to someone that could be sitting on the six to ten line in the tournament if they lose a lot more games. So, yeah, yeah, we all knew who they were. Yeah, we all knew they had uh, – Great, a, a great college player in Coburn and a great potential NBA player in Desumu, but they they could be in trouble. You got to win these cupcake games in the Big Ten when you have the chances. Yeah, that's a great point. And also, I mean, to, to the point that we made about Texas, they have enough time to turn it around. Uh, they if if they're able to rattle off uh, some wins, especially in February, heading into the tournament, then they're going to be dangerous. But right now you're seeing teams surpass them. You're seeing teams just eye test wise, right? Even Minnesota in the Big Ten, Michigan, clearly, they might be the class of the Big Ten, Iowa. uh, These are, you know, these are teams that just, it seems like they're surpassing them. And if you're Illinois, you got to be a little bit worried because you're saying, hey, if we can't beat a, a, a Maryland 
right? What are we going to do come tournament time? What are we going to do come Big Ten, Big Ten conference time? Yeah, I mean, I we you and I have rooted for a team that often plays down to its opponents, and I think that uh, your point is exactly right. Uh, you can't be a team that doesn't assert themselves in every situation against lower uh, lower opponents and expect to go far in the tournament. Well, and we've never really seen explosiveness from Illinois in terms of turning it on against a quality opponent. I'm not counting Northwestern as a quality opponent. I'm just saying I feel like we've, we haven't seen them be able to just dick around and then consistently dick around and say, okay, we're back. You know, we're going to win this game. Uh, I don't know if we could say that about very many teams at all uh, in, in college basketball. Maybe Gonzaga can do that. Maybe uh, Baylor can do that. So we'll see. But uh, that's some news and notes there on the Illini. They're going to have to turn it around here the next, the second half of the season, really. Uh, a couple more news and notes. Boston University. I don't know if you guys saw this. They were wearing masks while playing. Honestly, just so absurd. At this point, if you're wearing masks while playing, don't just don't play. If you don't feel secure enough or safe enough to try. And again, Taylor always goes back to what I'm saying. I can't enjoy something if we're like 40 percenting it. It's not even half assing it at this point. We're like masks while playing is just so ridiculous. Uh, and, and I'm like, be you just what exactly do you have to play for? I mean, I get it's for the kids, yada, yada. But there was another team earlier this year. I think it was uh, Chicago University. They just said, fuck it. We're done. Like we're, we're 0-9. I'm not going to go through all these hoops. I feel like BU should do that if they're really going to the lengths uh, like this to play. Uh, that being said, I will be incorporating masks into my everyday life after this. Some few, some few areas of my everyday life, plane travel. I feel like I'm, I'm okay with wearing a mask on a plane, even when we're post pandemic. And then also when it's freezing outside, I went outside and, you know, it's an added layer to my beard. So those are two areas I'll be including masks playing basketball though. Definitely not shark. Any thoughts on BU playing with masks on? I think so. It was against Holy Cross, and I think it was uh, on back-to-back days. And the rule was that BU had to wear the masks, and it was their in, their university's rule. And if there was a game being played at BU, then the opponent also had to wear the mask. So Holy Cross had to wear it the next game when it was at BU. And both times, the mask-wearing team was victorious. So Holy Cross wore a mask, did not wear a mask, lost to the mask-wearing BU, and then Holy Cross went. To BU the next day, wore a mask and beat the mask wearing BU. So maybe there's something there. Mask wearing teams are two and zero this year. Keep that in mind. Well, technically they're two and one, right? Because both teams were wearing masks the second. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a good call out. You're right. Um, No, also I I may be wrong about this too. I didn't look it up. I think (laughs) I saw it right afterwards. So if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, But. Good point on wearing masks outside those soup in the cold. That was a good one. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. And I'm glad you specified that it was a post-pandemic comment you were making. Not 10 months in, you were just deciding that this was going to be an okay thing to start doing. But um, I have some friends who coach high school basketball in Alaska, and this is what they're all being forced to do as well. And they just say it's the fucking worst. They're, they're having to practice with masks on. And I think the the dumb part, if I can say the dumb part about this is, is that if you look at all the pictures from these games, everybody's wearing the mask like around their chin. It's not like it's it, it looked like uh, it looked like the insurrection or whatever at the Capitol the other day. Anyone who had masks on had it down around their neck or around their chin, you know. So who's there? Like, is the dean there trying to enforce this? I'm not I, I just don't understand how you enforce this as the school. And then you just watch everybody wear it around their chin. So like, what are you going to do from there? I don't know. I think it's just kind of like a, there's no end to this particular part of mask wearing. Like what, what are you trying to achieve here? This is like fucking half-assed inception for me right now. Okay. Like we're half-assing playing these games. We're half-assing with the venues and, and the teams, but then in half-assing it in wearing masks, we're half asking wearing the mask, if that makes sense. Like we're not even doing that properly. So what in the, like, it's just maddening to me. And that's just such a, like that should be a photo for, for future years, right. That we can tell titch listeners, their grandkids, 
yeah, we're going to have grandkids listening. But I mean, if the photos of these kids wearing masks while playing like a two, three zone, maybe they're get I, it could help lung capacity. So it could be, you know, these guys will be able to press longer once they take the masks off. So be you watch out for them being a high pressing team, uh, get in great shape. That is kind of a trend in the fitness world where there's a lot of people that wear those ridiculous masks when they go running to simulate low oxygen levels. Um, I mean, they look like tools wearing them, but people do do that. So maybe that's something that's going on here. We're going to have better, uh, more fit athletes coming out of, uh, you know, Brighton, Massachusetts, moving forward. Is there a shark? Are you going to be implementing the mask in everyday life at all? Tell you what, before I got on this show, I was doing a little uh, row, row machine, the erg, and I had to wear a mask because I'm in my gym and those beat me up. I like to do a little high tempo row and then throw some push ups in between a little seasoning on top. And I was pretty winded by the end of it. So, you know, it's helping me a little bit, but I can't imagine what it's like in basketball. It must suck. Keep going. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us about your workout, your stretch routine, or maybe your, your pre-workout supplements you took? No, I don't take supplements. I'm a natural guy. Um, no, it's a pretty good workout. Thanks for asking. All right. Let's move on to our last topic here. UConn, blast from the past. They might be back. Ranked in the top 25, uh, I think, for the first time in the Hurley era, and they are obviously back in the Big East, making me feel a little nostalgic. I'm sniffing it. I'm smelling it. It makes me feel like 2005, 2006 type UConn. Place yourself in sophomore year of high school, those little desks where you crack your back. That's what I'm thinking of, right? So UConn back in the top 25. Again, it's taken a little bit, but Danny Hurley does have him on the right trajectory. Uh, he was He's a guy that, like, has a very long leash at UConn. He wasn't, those teams weren't very good his first couple of years, but you can see what a little bit of time has done. And so UConn uh, performing very well. Shark, any thoughts on the Huskies being back in the top 25? Any nostalgia, anything like that at all? Nothing at all. I don't know why we're talking about them. They, they're kind of a top four Big East team at this point. I mean, this. How, how much Northeast bias can you have? Tennessee wins two more games last week, and we're not talking about them. They're 9-1. They're one of the best teams in the country, and we're talking about UConn, who happened to be, what, Marquette? What are, we, are we just going to talk about the team that beats Marquette every single week? Is that what this podcast is now? Look, I'm glad you brought this up, because prior to this show, I said I had no idea what the hell went hap- what happened last week in college basketball. You guys tell me what you want to talk about. And Taylor, obviously, the one who's actually forthcoming, the one who's actually an active participant in this, doesn't just show up like Marshawn Lynch, you know why I'm here, gives me some content to talk about. You, on the other hand, just bitch and moan about Northeast bias and 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 that we're not covering Tennessee, which by the way, in places you don't talk about, I see it on your face right now. Luckily the theater goer doesn't Tucky breathing down your neck, like brainy did yeah. it with Helga and Hey Arnold, you know, it's, it's coming. It, yeah. It's so rare to have the team that was the preseason favorite to be breathing down the neck of someone that's already, you know, several games ahead of them, but Hey, good point. As for UConn, I know there's probably UConn listeners on uh, a lot of listeners that we have that root for UConn. Talk to me when you beat someone. I mean, I, I think if you ask anyone in the Big East to tell you who the worst teams in the Big East are this year, they would tell you that it's DePaul and Butler. Uh, those are three of UConn's wins. The other one being against Marquette, which, you know, Marquette um, looked good against Creighton that one night, and uh, that was about it. Uh, maybe against Wisconsin as well. And Marquette's kind of stumbled since then. And then they lost a close one to Creighton. And we all know how I feel about Creighton. So UConn, the Bobby Hurt, the Danny Hurley thing, uh, you know, I'm not there yet. Actually beat someone. I know they have St. John's, tough one. And then you beat, you beat Xavier on the 20th, then I'll pay attention. What's the thing the, from the movie with uh, the, the movie? Yeah, Django. They, first you had my attention, now you had my curiosity. That's what I'm saying about UConn. If you beat Xavier. It's the complete opposite. opposite Whatever. Way. Taylor, any <laughs> thoughts on UConn? Um, I, I kind of have the same, uh, you know, I'm happy that shark stuck with his theme today of his, of good losses. Uh, they have a good loss to Creighton. Like he said, uh, they should be That's not a good loss. Creighton's soft. All right. Creighton's soft. I you, thought you're, playing, you're in, you're in a close game with Creighton. You should win that game. Those are mental midgets on Creighton. I thought that was when, uh, your boy hit the game winner. Wasn't it that game? No, no, Conkle Stiltskin. He hit the game winner no. actually against Marquette. No, your other, yeah. your, your other boy. Uh, oh, sorry, we're thinking UConn. Book night. And uh, I can't even. Zagorowski. 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 
Yeah, Zegarowski. Um, anyway, they uh, they should before the game got postponed. They would have been playing Villanova this week, um, and that would have been probably with their come to you know come to Jesus moment for the season because I would imagine Villanova would have wiped them out. Um, I do want to go back to Tennessee for a minute though and say that uh, in watching uh, Tennessee this week and watching Viscovi struggle to make any shot against Arkansas. That's I funny. Did, he had six threes on Saturday. I know. Well, I know. Okay. I, that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Is, Good. Uh, yeah. Just let it. Let a guy finish his thought. God damn. Sorry. Yeah. I'm feisty. <laughs> <laughs> um, it did give me an appreciation for an underrated team, I think, in Arkansas. Uh, they're actually a fairly decent ball club uh, because that's how much respect, as I was going to go on to say, how much respect I have for Tennessee, that anyone who is keeping it close with them is probably a good ball club. And I'm glad that you and I had the discussion pregame to not take Tennessee and the points, and I just bet them straight up. So I just wanted to thank you for your uh, Tennessee expertise on that. Thank you for thanking me. Uh, you know, Ball-wash each other yeah. a little bit more. Good God. Well, it's just, I mean, sometimes you got to say thank you. Like, how, many, how many winners have I given out on this podcast? And I, I still have yet to get a thank you from you, Sue. Well, well, because I don't we, gamble, we, but... we try and thank you the next week, and then you're not here. That's it's a good. That's a good zing by Taylor Sue. You clearly had nothing, but I'm giving out winners every single week. I'm doing you the Oliver too. Twist. I'm doing the. Oh, please, sir, heck, may I have some more? I'm delivering every single week, and I've yet to hear anything. I don't even get like tweets from you at this point. Well, it's a, you're like you're 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 doing the uh, you're doing the Gandhi. You know, you're doing the silent protest over there. Oh, it's not a silent protest. First of all, I don't. I don't uh, gamble, but second of all, my I'm glad you just gamble. completely hijacked my my hosting ability. I mean, you just ruined the new segment name, spoiled it. You want so winners, too, by the way. Yeah, so it's a, so you're inspired by my tweet. So you're getting mad at me for coming up with the thing that inspired your segment. Uh, yeah, but I'm just polishing what you right, gave whatever. me some raw chicken. I'm making it into like chicken all orange. All right, so. But winners, though, winners, though, uh, you had tweeted out prior to entering the studio, Wisconsin plus three, uh, currently down 17 and a half. Just bad I tweet. know this is going to be <laughs> early. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, yeah, it's, bad tweet. <laughs> it's early. All right. Let's get to, yes, this new segment. It's actually the same segment, just rebranded. What was once gambling and Griswolden is now, please, sir. Uh, can I have some more or I want some more? I want to get the quote right. Please, sir. I want some more from Oliver Twist. Please, sir. I want some more. What? What? It's basically just the gambling corner again. Shark, your Wednesday picks. Talk to me. I just. Okay. Wednesday picks. I, I spoke about one earlier. Texas Tech. What, what, no, hang on, hang on. Let's pop. What, what are you so upset about? I was just going to ask permission to use my idea before you come and unveil it in front of me, in front of the show here beforehand without ever, you know, you know, you're giving me sass all week about my picks. You're not supporting me. You're not throwing the support of the podcast behind me. And then you take my idea and you throw it out there without even asking permission. You mock my Wisconsin pick right before it's my microphone. And it's like, you expect me to perform when the lights come on. And it's like, come on, man, you know? My own. But anyways, my pick is Texas Tech over Texas plus three tomorrow night, uh, Wednesday night. Um, this is where this is a classic, you know, Texas Tech. They stumbled a little bit about two weeks ago. They lose to Oklahoma State. Uh, they played a close one with Oklahoma, who I don't think is very good. And right in the middle of the year, their five star freshman, Namari Burton, decides, Burnett, excuse me, decides he's going to leave probably because Mac McClung took all his playing time. And this is one, one just burped in the middle of that. Um, this is one of those classic Ewing theory things. I, I know he's not a Patrick Ewing type level, but sometimes your team gets better by having subtraction. I imagine a five-star recruit uh, probably had some type of ego or selfish attitude surrounding it where there was some type of obligation to get them involved. And now they're, they could be more of a cohesive unit uh, that certainly worked out in their favor uh, in their previous game against Iowa state, who, as we know, is terrible. Texas tech beat them by nearly 30 points. So I'm going to go with tech over Texas tomorrow night um, to keep it close and actually win this one going away. So that's my first pick. Uh, 
My second pick, this one has got no logic surrounding it whatsoever. I haven't really watched this team much. I'm only doing it because uh, if they're not going to get this one, I'm not sure which one they're going to get. It's going to be Georgia over Auburn. Georgia's at home. They haven't won a game in the SEC yet. Tom Crean probably feeling a little bit of heat. He's facing an Auburn team that's got nothing to play for. Both teams are in the basement dweller of the SEC. For some reason, the spread is only Georgia's only favored by a point and a half, which is concerning the fact that it's not more than that, but I'm going to go with Georgia because I feel like they need to have this win. And then finally, my last pick, I'm going to fast forward all the way to Saturday and I don't know what the spread is on it yet, but I'm going to take Illinois over Ohio state. Um, Assuming it's some five or less, I would take Illinois in that one just because it's a huge game for the reasons I outlined previously. Let's see if Georgia has some patience with Tom Crean. Maybe he'll get him to a tournament at all. Uh, Taylor, your picks. So I'm going to complain about this again and that I have to constantly pivot as the second person that ha- gets to go in whatever the fuck we're calling this segment now. That's on me. No, before Taylor, you go, Taylor. Go yeah, well, it's like, what are we doing this for? Soupy's not even keeping a log. Yes, I am. Do you want me to re- I'll recap. Yeah, I asked you for a log on my late, latest tweet. I haven't seen it yet. I've looked, man. I can't keep up with the Twitter. All right. You want to log real quick, Taylor? Sorry. You, and you're right, Taylor. All right. I, I dropped like, the ball on that. Can can you can you sit out one nipple rubbing tweet for for what's going on in, in a late game and maybe keep a log? You know, just we can we can miss one one nipple rubbing tweet. I've missed too many. I was on the road. Couldn't do it. So I'm back now. Uh but okay. Yeah. You want to log? Here it is. Let's see. Last week I don't want it. I don't want it now. I just want it. I'll <laughs> Okay, I'll give you the log. Well, I want to give the theater goers uh, an update because right now, Shark, you have six points to Taylor's five. Taylor, I think you hit Xavier Creighton plus seven. Actually, this was a couple weeks ago. So this yeah, is obviously. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no worries. We can, we can get to it next week. Yeah, Go nobody ahead. wants you to read a two week old log. All right, <laughs> okay. I'll All right, the log. Five Shark. It's six to five Shark. How about that? Uh, it's more. Right. It's more than that, pal. <laughs> it's more than that one. No. Do I have to? Do I have to make the same joke about? Yeah, you would have more points if you were actually I, on the program ever to give your pick. I'm I'm gonna keep talking just to delay your picks as far as possible because I can see it's eating you up. Uh, oh, can I go now? Okay, thanks guys. Um, so I'm, my first pick is gonna be Florida State over NC State uh, by four and a half. Uh, NC State has a pretty good offense this year. Uh, they're shooting something like 46, 47 percent from the field. Florida State is currently not ranked, but I expect uh, more out of them uh, in the second half or in the conference part of the season. So I'm going to expect a big defensive performance from Florida State for them to cover four and a half. Um, That's my first pick. My second pick is Arkansas. They got my respect, as I just said earlier, against uh, Tennessee and the bigger reason for this pick is, excuse me, it's Arkansas plus two and a half at, at LSU. LSU is just tragically bad defensively. If anyone watched their game uh, earlier this week against, uh, oh shit, who was it? Who did LSU play and go into double overtime with earlier this week? Anyone? Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. I believe Georgia. it was Georgia. Yeah. yeah. They, they lit eight seconds left. No, straight drive to the basket. Overtime, 10 seconds left, straight drive. I mean, Georgia was getting anything and everything they wanted, and they are a pretty terrible defensive team. Arkansas, good offense. LSU, bad defense. I'm going to take Arkansas plus two and a half at LSU. Now, this one, uh, my third pick is for a team that is maybe one of the most underrated teams in the country. Uh, That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to go far in the tournament, but the Boise State Broncos are 11 and one this year so far. Pretty, pretty good ball club. Uh, they're going to travel over to Wyoming. They just beat Wyoming by like 26, 27 points. Here's the caveat this year, though, and why I'm going with Wyoming plus t- 9.5 after losing by 23. Teams, both in the NBA and the college basketball this season, the underdog has tended to cover in the second game of back-to-backs played against the same opponent, which we're seeing a lot this year because of COVID times. The Mountain West is doing back-and-back, or home-and-homes, or home-and-aways, or however you want to phrase that. They're playing the same team twice at the same arena two games in a row. Boise State has now not covered three straight times in that second game. So we're going to take Wyoming plus nine and a half, even though they just got blown out. In fact, that goes so extreme with Boise State that at one point they beat San Jose State by 52 points one night 
came back the next night and only won by one. So Wyoming plus nine and a half. I do subscribe to the same theory as you, where you're picking teams that are fresh off a blowout. I'm doing the exact same thing with Georgia. Your team, Arkansas, beat the living piss out of them last week. I think they won by 30. Uh, and, you know, hopefully it works out for Georgia. But I always like college sports and college basketball teams in particular that have close lines after a game when they were just embarrassed. For some reason, that that doesn't jive with me in my head. So I like that pick. It's a confidence. Well, and- you should try one for one of us, everyone. For one I literally just thanked you 10 minutes ago. No, no, I said soup. Soup. I was complimenting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm yeah. talking to you. Um, but yeah, so if you look at, uh, home teams this year as favorites are actually uh, under 50% in terms of covering. And because we're getting a lot of those get blown out by the same team and then play them again the next night or two days later, I think it's, I think it's especially for college kids, you have the team that just won by a lot thinking, oh, we're going to smoke these guys. We just did last night. And then you have the team that's an underdog now having more film on the team they're playing and going, Oh, we got to avenge last night's loss. And so even if they don't end up avenging the loss, they seem to be covering at a pretty high clip. Boise state Kings of Leon rice. That's your Rothsteinism for the day. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and finish it off then with a couple of segments. Where am I in hugs? But before we do that, we do want to remind you that we're brought to you by dash radios, nothing but net channel and the barn burner podcast network. Go Subscribe. All right. Uh, let's finish it up now. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? This week's Where Am I is Will Sheehy. Will Sheehy, former forward for the Indiana Hoosiers. He is currently a mobile marketing strategist at a company called Attentive in New York. Uh, his about me in his LinkedIn profile says he's an experienced marketing strategist with a demonstrated history of working in the marketing and advertising industry, former basketball player uh, with a bachelor's degree focused in legal studies from IU. So Will Sheehy, uh, currently a, you know, in the marketing field, marketing strategist in New York City. You guys remember Will Sheehy at all? Of course. I do remember. How how'd you think to... Uh, look into him. Talk to me I mean, about the uh, the origin there. I couldn't tell you, man. I I, I got to be brutally honest with you. I'm just now like narrowing it down to white guys that I remember that were solid contributors. I'd actually mm-hmm. thought of Jordan Hulls, and then I was like, well, let me check in on Will Sheehy first. I might go Hulls next next week. <laughs> I mean, it is tough. It is tough. I mean, and obviously we've all done the research or everyone on the show has done the research. It is incredible when you're doing the where am I to realize how many professional basketball leagues there are in the world. Like every college basketball that you player that you've probably ever heard of over the last 15 years, I guarantee, what do you think? 90% of them are still somehow playing in some random basketball league in some random country across the world. An added layer to that, that just that they're somehow playing. I originally went with Josh Boone. Josh Boone was born in 1984, the year before LeBron. Like, I mean, he's still playing. He's playing somewhere. Uh, But I was like, God damn, Josh Boone. Actually, there was another one. Oh, I went with Shavlik Randolph, and there was a uh, podcast. There was no writing. It was just a podcast that said, where is Shavlik Randolph these days? And it was recorded like October 2020. I was way too lazy to listen. I just needed like a, a quick blurb which she didn't give me. Obviously, she gave me like who Shavlik Randolph was, but I still don't know where he is. So give me a week. I might listen to him. Uh, be on the lookout for Jordan Hull's Shavlik Randolph. I think Emeka Okafor is still like in the G League. These guys just hang on forever. It's crazy. At least Okafor was a title winner and, and a national player of the year. I'm like looking. It's tough to get niche role players that because these role players are still playing in the league that's actually where they flourish really not the nba they know they're not going to the league so they're going to like new zealand or some shit well yeah it's genius right you know if you go to the nba and then you end up going to the g league and you sit in the g league then you're then you're done right if you go over and play in europe and you play in like the acb or whatever you might be able to stick in there for like 10 12 years and even though nobody in america is going to remember you you're still making like a million dollars a year playing basketball it's pretty good gig still yeah. All right. Uh, that is Will Sheehy. That's what he's up to these days. Let's go ahead and finish it off with some hugs. Taylor, any hugs from you tonight? Yeah, I hate to be somber about this, but uh, former Kentucky basketball and baseball player Ben Jordan uh, died today, uh, I believe still of unknown causes, uh, just 22 years old. He played in a handful of games last year. 
uh, as a kind of a, ne- uh, a necessary walk-on when they had a number of injuries. Uh, he did not play basketball this year to, to focus on baseball. Um, so big hug to Kentucky, uh, Ben Jordan's family. They're pretty sad that uh, he has passed away at 22 years old. Yeah, very sad stuff. Shark, any hugs from you tonight? I hate to follow that hug. Um, I mean, my hug was going to be towards, um, you know, hug out, uh, hug to the, the family and everyone involved in that one as well. But my hug was going to go to Joe Lenardi, which I've given him about three hugs over the course of the life of this podcast. And the reason I'm giving him a hug this time is because they completely updated the bracketology structure and look on ESPN. Looks beautiful. Very interactive, great graphics. Looks very different than what it used to look like. And finding time to develop and you know create a better product. Hug for you, Joe Lenardi. I know he probably had nothing to do with that, but it's still his name on the on the byline there. There's a lot of bunkers that we see ESPN pundits in, especially now. Lunardi's been a bunker guy pre-pandemic. That bunker he was ready. Up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like Joe Lunardi is just seems like a bunker guy. Uh, I can't, I, I can't speak to its cleanliness, but I can't imagine Joe Lunardi's bracketology bunker is is anything that smells very rosy or kempt. It well, seems like a, a, like a Charlie Kelly like bathroom. Take a look at the new website now. It looks beautiful, sleek. Yeah, I'm just saying the, the website probably looks beautiful. It has to come at some cost, some sacrifice, and that sacrifice is probably Lunardi's bunker. Uh, but I will take a look at it. Thank you. All right. Uh, my hug is for Xavier and specifically for their buzzer beaters. They're one of the more exciting teams in college hoops right now, and they have two game winners under their belt with Kunkel against Marquette. And Colby Jones against Providence, a uh, hug for the Providence crier, I suppose, as well. Let me tell you something also. Let me just completely divulge or diverge from this. Uh, my initial hug was for Xavier and their buzzer beaters, but the crier, the guy just won't stop whining about the, the officiating. Let me tell you something, man. No official is out for your team. Your team does not constantly get a bad whistle. I'm not just saying that for PC. This is for everyone. This is for Tennessee fans. This is for Arizona fans. This is for UNC fans, Kansas, Gonzaga. Refs don't give a shit, and they're not going to be specifically out for your teams. Much like announcers. This is another thing that pisses me off. When people say, oh, this announcer hates my team. I promise you they don't care. Promise. So, Cryer, do me a favor. Clean it up just a little bit, uh, and you know, we'll move forward amicably. I do want to give uh, Providence and Xavier some credit for playing that game so early. That game was early on Sunday. Uh, way to get it out of the way. Give us a good basketball game before the NFL playoffs started that day. The game started at like 9 a.m. West Coast time, I feel. Or uh, 9 a.m. 10 or 8 a.m. local time, I feel like what it was out here. So I don't know what it, what they played it at uh, locally. Um, but props to them for that. It's called rising and grinding, baby, rising and grinding. All right. We want to thank you again for listening to us here on theater and college hoop. We will catch you next week. It was four days and nights before the worst of the mob was finally put down. We never knew how many New Yorkers died that week before the city was finally delivered. My father told me we was all born of blood and tribulation. And so then, too, was our great city. But for those of us what lived and died in them furious days, it was like everything we knew was mightily swept away. And no matter what they did to build this city up again, for the rest of time, it would be like no one even knew he was ever here.